Hello, 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 and welcome to a brand new episode of Squad Up, the podcast about games, games of all kinds. I am your host, Eduardo, and we got a little bit of things to talk about today, but I want to talk with a little bit of an announcement. Um, thanks for that, computer. A little bit of an announcement. Uh, we have started a Patreon, and it goes with a little story, so I want to tell that story first. So I did a few modifications on my little computer over here. Uh, it's a lot faster now. It's got a new processor, a new motherboard. It looks really pretty. Uh, it also messed up the mixer program I had on there, and it is just no longer compatible. So the way that I'm recording the podcast is a little, uh, a little ghetto rig that I did where I'm uh, monitoring my own sound and recording my desktop audio. It's honestly not ideal, but... You know, we do what we can with what we have. Um, so we started this Patreon to hopefully get us a real mixer so that we don't run into this problem again and we can, you know, increase the uh, the quality of the podcast and keep it going. There are also, oh, of course, small things going into the podcast that could always use help, like um, the fees to, to post the podcast and the fees for this messaging app that we're using today, which, you know, all kinds of stuff. But if you would like to, to, to help out, you can go to patreon.com slash squad up podcast and you can, uh, you know, throw a couple bucks our way, $1, $2, anything, it doesn't matter. Anything helps and it would really help the show. So on to introductions because we've got a full show today. Joining me as always, it's the main man in the his house, Lucas. I mean, Peaches. Peaches, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? What's going on, man? I'm glad that we made it more than two minutes into the show. I know, isn't that crazy? <laughs> and maybe wow. if you, maybe if you had a, a like a live mixer too, we could actually listen to the squad up intro music on the stream. <laughs> Correct, and it's not just awkward <laughs> silence until I start talking. Because <laughs> every time you start playing it, I know that only you can hear it, but I want to interrupt it by just doing the beatboxing version. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's and. This is the biggest squad up we've ever had, squad up episode that we've had, because we've got not one but two special guests making both of their returns back onto the show. First, all the way from, honestly, Chris, I don't actually know where you live. Uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, all yeah. the way from Pennsylvania. The Keystone State. <laughs> all the way from Pennsylvania, it's Chris. Chris, yeah. welcome back. What's going on, man? Oh, you know, just uh, pulled myself away from, well, we'll talk about it. You know what I pulled myself away oh, from. I know what you pulled yourself <laughs> yeah. away from. And all the way from sunny Orlando, Florida, Mr. Nope. Robert Griffin. Oh, Claremont, Florida, my bad. Yeah. There's a difference. <laughs> I meant not sunny. Not sunny. It no. was bad. Oh, no, yeah. No, there was no. like a... Basically a tropical storm today. Oh, good. Good. That's yes. good. That's yeah. good for everyone. Um, Florida tried to kill us. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff today. Um, mostly, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I'll be transparent from the beginning. This is an episode dedicated to our favorite game right now, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And we're going to talk all, all, all about it. Um, but first, I just want to hear what you guys have been playing that's not been Smash. If you have been playing anything, because I know, I don't think I've been playing almost anything but Smash. But um, let's start with you, Peaches. What have you been playing? You said we're going to talk about our favorite game, and then you said Smash, and I expected you to say Invictus. <laughs> uh, favorite game to watch Peach's Diet, yes. Hey! <laughs> That's what's up. No, I've, I went on a little uh, staycation with the princess, so um, we have mostly been playing multiplayer Nintendo games, if you will. Uh, we've been playing Smash Bros., we've been playing Mario Party, um, I got her Let's Go Eevee for Christmas, and she is full-on addicted to Let's Go Eevee. 
um, she messaged me today while she was working and she was like, I just want to catch Pokemon. <laughs> I'm like, go do it. She's like, I can't, I have to be an adult. So she, uh, she was very happy with let's go Eevee. Um, other than that, I played a little bit of Invictus on the last stream that I, I died a lot in. Um, we actually beat the final level all the way up to Kamek, who's the final boss of Invictus, and he wrecked my shit, you guys. Like, oh, no. he he wiped the floor with me. I actually beat the level uh, in about an hour and 30 minutes, which is, for me, I, I personally kind of find that kind of impressive because the final level of Invictus, you guys may have seen this in my stream, there's one level where you're turning on and off blue blocks with the L button on your controller, and there's another level where you can freely switch between a spin jump and a regular jump in midair. And the final level has both of those mechanics happening at the oh, same man. time. So, mm -hmm. And it's a four-part castle stage. So you have the three actual platforming sections and then Kamek. So an hour and a half to get through you know, the first three and then Kamek absolutely destroyed me. So I'm hoping to get there next time. That's it for me. Lots of multiplayer games with the lady. And dying to Kamek. Multiplayer yeah. games with the lady. Hey. Get out of here, man. <laughs> it's not that kind of a show. She's in the chat right now, okay? <laughs> hey. Uh, Chris, what have you been playing? All right. Well, before Smash Brothers came out, uh, those of you who might have been aware of this, uh, Sony had a great sale the week of Thanksgiving. They're like, <laughs> uh, I got a PlayStation 4, finally. Um, and got a bunch of games because a lot of games are on sale. And I haven't touched almost any of them because Spider-Man exists and is fantastic. Um, I've had so much fun with that. Um, so I've been playing uh, quite a bit of Spider-Man. Um, all right, Eduardo, I warned you. All right, let's hear here it. Comes, here comes the rant. All right, so uh, those of you that don't know, today they announced, uh, well, actually today, and it just happened, uh, they uh, released a free update or one of the new costumes you can actually wear as Spider-Man is the Spider-Man outfit from the Sam Raimi trilogy, uh, which is really cool. You know, I, I love all the different Spider-Man costumes they have in the game because they've got the homecoming outfit. Uh, they've got, um, you know, pretty much name a comic book story where Spider-Man in a different costume and you can wear that costume. Uh, alternate universe Spider-Man. Um, side note, uh, Spider-Man of the Spider-Verse, go see it, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, they've got like the Spider-Punk costume on the stuff. Anyway, so they, they just added this uh, the Zeremi suit, which has been highly requested by a lot of people. Um, but I did not know until today that by highly requested, it turned into people shouting at Insomniac saying, you're not listening to us. How come you're not giving us the Raimi suit? And now they're taking it as some kind of victory, like, oh, look, we got them to do it. Ignoring the fact that rights are complicated. Um, just because you have the rights to make a Spider-Man game does not necessarily mean you have the rights to use uh, from a movie uh, a particular design of Spider-Man's costume. There are probably a lot of uh, negotiations go into that. And, of course, while negotiations are ongoing, they can't comment on it. So that's why they, that's probably why they couldn't say anything about, oh, we're working on it. You know, you can't, you know, contract negotiations are difficult. So uh, I'm just a little annoyed at entitled people, you know, yelling at hardworking developers because they didn't get the free costume that they wanted when they wanted it. That uh, doesn't happen in video games. I know, right? Entitled video gamers, you, you never hear about that. Um, yeah, actually, um, real real quick, the other games I've been playing actually started Bioshock again last night, uh, finally. Um, 
and actually Angela started playing it too. Yes. Uh, hey, finally. Um, so we'll see if she sticks with it because it does kind of scare her a little bit, but she's wanted to at least watch me play it. Uh, she's been trying to get me to play it for a long time and we've got it for the PS4. So we're playing that. Uh, and I've been watching her. She actually just finished up Mario Odyssey or the main story. Now she's doing more post game stuff. So I've been, when I've been nice enough to share the switch, I've been watching her play that. So been playing as Cappy. Oh yeah. No, I haven't. I'm just, I, I just, uh, forgot there was a two-player mode yeah this is this is sad i don't know if you've played through like the post game of odyssey but there's this one thing where in the beach level you can get a, a moon by hitting a volleyball a hundred times and it is the hardest thing in the game <laughs> i'm so Actually, guilty of what you're about to say <laughs> yeah i uh i switched to two-player mode and with one hand i was controlling mario with another hand i was controlling cappy and that was the only way i could actually do it so, oh, actually, I'm more impressed that you dual wielded them because I just switched to two player mode and had Mario stand on the sideline and only used Cappy because he's so much actually, faster. That's, that's probably what I did. It was a lot yeah, that was probably that because that sounds a lot easier than what I just said. I'm not that. Um, but yeah, anyway. Hardcore. Robbie, what have you been up to? Well, let's see. No one told me that PS4s were on sale with Spider Man. So my wife is actually watching the stream and was laughing when she heard Chris say that because she knew what my reaction would be because oh, no. no one warned me. So I have not been playing Spider-Man. I've only been sad about not playing Spider-Man. Um, there was a, a slot test in Splatoon this weekend. Um, for those who don't Splatoon, you're wrong. Start playing Splatoon. But um, every, every few weekends they have a, a big um, uh, setup where uh, you pick a side and whoever wins the most battles and inks the most ground, they win. And it was in celebration of Smash Brothers, it was heroes versus villains. So I picked the heroes side because it plays more heroes than villains. Um, we lost because from what I can tell, the entirety of Korea picked villains. <laughs> <laughs> and well, it's because Korea empowered. Yeah, absolutely. And they wiped the floor with us. It oh my was, gosh. I was having fun. But I was also kind of throwing my controller and screaming at all the weird, impossible deaths happening to me by names that I could not read because of the foreign language. Um, so villains won very, very, very confidently. Um, but it was still fun. Uh, and then I've actually been playing the NES online, um, the which mostly playing Metroid and um, played a little bit of Ninja Gaiden. That might be a little bit like you guys know I like my games difficult. Eduardo, don't ever play Ninja Gaiden. Don't ever <laughs> ever so touch hard. Ninja Gaiden. I play Kaizo Mario, and I'm like, why <laughs> did you do that? <laughs> I had that on Virtual Console, and I gave up after a while. It's mean. Ugh. It is mean. Um, but I've been playing a little bit of that because that's the one that came out this month, um, and a lot of Metroid and Legend of Zelda because apparently I will never be done playing through Metroid and the Legend of Zelda. No, Robbie, did you get the though. NES controllers, the NES Joy Cons? No, I didn't. Did you? I did. They actually just arrived. I haven't had a chance Are to use them. Are they worth it? Because, um, I mean, if you're the kind of person like me that I just like the way NES okay. controller feels in my hand mm -hmm. when you're playing those games, I mean, it's, I mean, that's what I grew up playing it on. So I enjoy that kind of thing. So, well, I might do that because while I'm playing it, I have an NES Classic. And yes. while I'm playing through Legend of Zelda, I'm thinking, why am I playing this on this Switch Pro controller when I could just switch cha channels? And playing on or switch uh, inputs, and playing on the NES Classic, but it's just it just feels convenient to be messing with the switch and just switch to the classic for a little while. So I must might get those. At first, I didn't think I wanted them, but now I think I might be, I might want them. 
They look yeah. kind of weird in the side of the switch. They though. do. Yes. It looks. Goofy. But it's just there for charging, right? Yeah. Yeah, you just put them there to charge because they're just joy. They're other than the fact that they look like NES controllers and they only work with the NES online, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a bummer because I really wanted to get the Mega Man collection and play with that, but yes, you can't yes. do that. Why would they only work for NES online? That's weird. Yeah, because it doesn't have the same inputs as a Joy-Con. Right. right. Sure. So they couldn't make it universal. Right. So. Right. Because well, and like when you come to Mega Man, when you get to Mega Man Seven and Eight from the, from the Legacy Collection those use buttons that an NES controller is not going to have. So Yeah. And it would be Which weird I'm... to, like, have the option to map your buttons, right? That yeah, would right. Super yes. impossible, Nintendo. Capcom actually generally <laughs> hates that option because who knows? Which you is know, why it's... the Mega Man Anniversary Collection on GameCube was so awful. But yes. I ranted yeah. about that before, and I yes. won't do it again. Uh. Uh-huh. You know, you said you grew up playing with a Nintendo controller. So my family skipped that the first two generations and went straight to the N64. So first off, I want an N64 wireless controller that I can stick on the side of my Switch. Um, and I also want to relearn how to use the worst controller ever because that controller is just <laughs> the worst. It is. The and I have a friend that defends that. <laughs> I have a friend that defends the N64 controller and I just don't understand what he's talking about. Like, it's... I mean, sure, at the time it was whatever. We didn't know what we were doing, but looking sure. back, it was garbage. It, that garbage. controller is I actually I never awful. held it the way you were supposed to. I had this whole other way that... Show like, me. Show me. Put your hands. I need to know how you could possibly... Are you trying to say like that people in that I, time I were like... Thick, like this. <laughs> I was going to make fun of that because I remember there was an advertisement for the N64 where that's how the kid was doing it. And I thought, there's no way, Chris, you could be that lame. Um, but... That's what Chris did. <laughs> hey, if that's how they advertise it, how are you supposed to know any better? Come on. Right. Not the commercials. It's a I realize now it's literally just the, um, it's the nunchuck. It's mm-hmm. the weak nunchuck just in the middle mm-hmm. of the controller. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, makes sense now. You, you take a Super <laughs> Nintendo controller, stick a nunchuck in the middle of it, add a couple extra buttons, and you've got the N64 People were like, you know, I really want to play video games, but not enough of my controllers remind me of pitchforks. So can you please do something about that? <laughs> and it's really weird to think about them. Um, the, they have the N64 controller, and they're like, we need to tame this down. And they made the GameCube controller. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, the GameCube controller, look, like... look at this beauty. This is I had this ready to go. This is a work of art right here. Okay, that fits in your hands so well. Like I mean, adequate sure. space everywhere. Look at this. It's a you palm everything. It just fits. It just. Oh, fits. we'll get to this later, I'm sure. But the octagonal um, surroundings of the sticks mm-hmm. like makes such a difference. In yes, some... and <sighs> people make fun of the A button, and I don't understand why. Because to me, the the fact that the button you're going to use the most is big and huge, and everything centers around it. Like I think that's nice, and the. The Y and the X buttons are just there for your thumb just to kind of slide over. It's, it's really no, smart design. The only problem is the Z button, and that's a small quibble. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are new controls for that, but we're going to get into all that. Let's finish up. Um, we get I want to throw out one more thing, by the way. Sorry. I got, it's a podcast about controllers. Sorry. I got the um, uh, for games we've been playing because this actually does relate to what we're going to be talking about. I did get the uh, Castlevania, the new Castlevania collection for PS4, so I started out Symphony of the Night as well because I want to. I hate you. I want to see what Richter is all about. Okay, now I'm done. Um, we got to talk a little bit about some of this stuff. Uh... Robbie's wife is laughing so hard right now. It's amazing. Uh, tell Kat I miss her. Um... 
Oh gosh, I just read what the chat. Have, what's going you on have there. to read that for the recording so people know what's <laughs> happening right now. Yeah, I don't have the chat open. Okay, First I'll of all, open the chat, Robbie. <laughs> I have a question for Robert. How do you think growing up on the Indian Prairie crowd affected your people? Who is that? Oh my God, it's uh, my brother. That was uh, good. Okay. That was good. Um, thank you, Robbie's brother. We got to talk about a little bit of sadness here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the news, so let me go ahead and play the bumper. Waluigi time. Waluigi time is right. So we had a little bit of news, and the reason we're talking about this um, is because Heroes of the Storm is basically the Super Smash Brothers of Blizzard games. It, for those of you that don't know, it is a MOBA. It uses all of the Blizzard characters all in one. It kind of matches them all together, and you know, it's like a you know your MOBA five on five lanes and all that junk. Um, a week ago, Blizzard came out, and it was the new CEO, Mike Morheim, the previous CEO stepped down and this is the new CEO and he said that um they were going to be scaling back on a lot of the development of the game they were going to be canceling the new season of the pro scene and they were going to be moving um a lot of the devs on the game to another game or some other game like a bunch of other games throughout the company and basically said we're going to put the the game you know on, I forgot the, the the phrasing he used, but basically it was maintenance mode. It's basically saying we're gonna keep the game alive to keep it alive, but we're not gonna you know support it like we were supporting it. Um, and you know, as someone who has gone to bat for Blizzard um, several times on this very show, uh, it feels a little bad. It feels a little bad that a company. Uh, like Blizzard would do this not about the game because I get it the game hasn't been making as much money as it should but specifically from the um, the esports perspective the new season of the esport was supposed to start in two weeks all of the players all of the coaches all of the people who worked in this league um, are all without a job now they were all waiting to hear about the 2019 season and right at the end of the year a week before Christmas they were told hey you don't have a job anymore we're canceling everything um and just the way they did it, the sort of like, uh, sort of like corporate way, they were like, "Sorry, business is business," and you know, it just is so unBlizzard like, and it it kind of makes me feel icky thinking about it. Um, I know Robbie and Chris, neither of you have played this game, so Peaches is the only other person who's actually played it and who is <coughs> as involved in Blizzard games as I am. What what do you think, man? I think uh, well, I'm glad that you laid that out because I honestly had no time to look at the article. So thank you for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been, it's, I've been swamped the last couple of days. I'm really sad hearing all that. Um, but at the same time, I think that it's, if they need the people to work on something else and they're keeping the game alive in any sort of mode, I think that's big for them anyway. I mean, I, I don't know what decision they're making. I don't know why they're making the decision. Um, but it seems pretty important if they're putting a game that people play regularly on hold like that. Um, but the fact that they're putting it into a mode that people can still go in and play actually kind of makes me happy because it makes me think of, um, Chris, I think you played this game with me on Facebook. We played this, um, we played this Facebook game called Marvel Avengers Alliance. Oh, I, yeah. And the game went strong for like two years. And I know this is a weird parallel, but we're going to get there. Um, 
the game went strong for like two years and then the studio decided hey we don't we don't want to do this anymore we're moving on to other things and they just completely shut everything down and it was a game that you um it was a free-to-play game it was freemium you know it had stuff that you could pay into and they didn't leave it they didn't let you go in and play the missions on your own or do any of the stuff in like any sort of maintenance mode. They just completely shut it down. You can't even go look at the game anymore. And it was really a huge bummer for me to see all of this work that I did, both non-monetarily and monetarily, just kind of go away. And at that point, it sunk cost anyway, but it doesn't matter because it was still something that you know I enjoyed doing. So if you apply that to... Heroes of the Storm, like, I'm glad they're not just taking it away. I'm sure they'll come back to it. Um, it it's important enough to a lot of people that I think there's going to be an outcry for it to come back. Um, and maybe maybe they just need monastery support for it, you know? Like, that game has been free to play since it came out. If, if it's as big, if it's, you know, if it's X amount of big popularity-wise and they have no sustainment other than, like, loot boxes and people deciding to pay for the freemium content then i don't know maybe they just need more funding and then they can hire more people or something i don't know what it is but i'm just sad thinking about it now so thanks for making me sad <laughs> also i'm sad that princess peaches is gone she's she's right no <clears throat> i know neither of you have played this game but i, I want to hear your opinion on because it it, mm -hmm. it is part of a larger topic about video game companies and the way video game companies deal with their with their player bases now and how how important those interactions are now in today's day more than ever well so i mean i don't have opinions on heroes of the storm specifically but as you know i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sports dude i used to be a sports writer like i focus on um you know analytics and business of sport a lot <clears throat> and esports want to be sports and esports fans want it to be treated like a sport and you know, you know, just from being an NBA fan, like this is not a defense. This is a reality of the sports world. Um, and it's something that's been one thing I've, I've seen very interesting in the baseball world recently is a lot of us were pushing a decade ago or so. We were pushing these, you know, these advanced analytics in baseball, smarter ways of building teams and such. And unfortunately, a lot of that was these are how you manipulate player contracts. And, and this are how this is what you just need to shut down and get rid of these these kinds of players and this sort of stuff. What's been interesting is there's been kind of this pendulum swing back very recently. We call it woke baseball Twitter. Those same guys that were saying, hey, this contract is bunk. Don't play this player. And that sort of stuff are now realizing that, well, actually, the play the owners are billionaires and they probably should play the players because the owners are billionaires and screw you, pay the players. And so that's been kind of this backlash. Now, the same people that said this isn't smart to do are now saying, but it is. It's also immoral not to. Um, or at least that's their argument. And in baseball's case, baseball is a huge behemoth and can probably weather the storm of having some backlash against how its players are treated. But I wonder about in the case of an eSport, to me, this sounds like just business and just the business of how sports are done. But I also wonder if kind of as, you know, millennials are starting to be, you know, very woke on the internet, if eSports has the cachet to sort of weather the storm of, of bad treatment of its of its um, competition base like this. Um, because, yes, it is just business, but you also got to keep in mind just business moves aren't necessarily the kind of things that your 
um, potential clients want to see. And so I could see it backfiring and, and damaging the brand, uh, the, you know, the Blizzard brand, the esports brand in a way that maybe they're not foreseeing. It's really strange because they are the leaders of, I would say, the premier right now. Oh, yeah. Sports League. Oh, you're right. Which, um, with the Overwatch League, mm-hmm. who is set up like a regular sports league. I'm going to call it regular because esports, the way esports leagues are set up, are super different compared to a traditional More like sport. Boxing. Um, right. Um, but the Overwatch League is set up like your, you know, set up like MLB or like, you know, NFL. Or it's set up in a very similar way. Uh, players have contracts. Um, you know, you go to a, a team with a city. They're playing home and away games now. Like, a lot of that structure is meant to mimic you know, traditional sports to kind of bridge those, you know, that base. And it's interesting that they were not able to do that with heroes, but were able to do it with Overwatch. And like this weird Overwatch experiment, if it's successful, could turn around and, you know, be a positive for Heroes of the Storm if it, you know, survives. Mm-hmm. What you doing, Robbie? My dog was pushing the box. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Now that you mentioned Overwatch, I I remembered something that we saw at BlizzCon was that they were adding more teams to their uh, Overwatch League. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if the the cost of that has to do with this being put on hold. I wonder if Mm -hmm. they're elevating Overwatch League and by proxy they have to kind of put everything else that they're doing on the back burner. Not everything else, but... Competitive scene-wise, that's mostly what it is, right? There's, like, competitive StarCraft and there's competitive WoW, but competitive WoW isn't going to go anywhere because millions and millions of people still play WoW. Post-BlizzCon, um, Activision Blizzard stock dropped 40% because Whoa. of the backlash yeah. from Diablo. So a lot of this is from very... Diab- okay. From the Diablo yeah. Immortal announcement. Correct. Ugh. Because of that mobile game... I having opinions right now. Right. Um, so the stock dropped like crazy. Um, and I have already shared my feelings about why I thought people were overreacting. And, and I agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. But that's just the reality of the way we, the world we live in. And we're in such a reactionary time specifically. And this is just in the world of video games. We're not talking about anywhere else in the world. We're talking just in the video game world. Um, people like to think of Blizzard and like companies like that as a person, right? When you, we're going to talk about Smash in a little bit and everything that goes wrong in that game, they're like, God damn it, Sakurai, mm-hmm. you did this oh. to me personally. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and, and, and Blizzard's like that. Like people will be like, man, I can't believe Blizzard just did this to me. Like Blizzard, you know, went into their house and pooped on their front door. Like, I don't know why they would poop on the front door in the house, but, um, but you know what I mean? Like Blizzard, the person did this to them. Um, not Blizzard, the company or Mr. Blizzard, Mr. Blizzard, Mr. Blizzard, Blizzard, you know, yeah. the game developer who is full of lots of different people with a bunch of different opinions who all want, you know, to make great games. I don't know. Um, Chris, what do you think? Um, yeah, if it- if it were just a matter of an online game is being shut down and put in maintenance mode, that would be one thing. I mean, that's a whole other issue, really, is that some games only exist, you know, in a very ephemeral sort of way now. Um, but when you throw in that added wrinkle of the esports aspect, and like you said, real people are now out of their actual source of income because of business dealings uh, that happen above them. And... I don't know. It's like, like you said, woke baseball Twitter. I see a lot on football Twitter too now, where people are really starting right, to pay the players. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yes. You know, I knew you were like, going to say that. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like between between college, uh, you know, that whole debate, and then with the NFL, where it's like, okay, why does everyone always side with the billionaire owners over the players when there's absolutely like, like oh, those greedy players want all this money. Like okay, but you got billionaires up in in the box. So what do they do? They sign a few contracts. I mean, I know they do more than that, but still, you know, they're not the ones that are out there, you know, getting CTE, you know, for your entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, when we're talking about actual people's lives and they're losing money, you know, as a result of this, and I'm sure they all, maybe some of them have day jobs. I don't know. I don't know again that much about the Heroes of the Storm esports league or anything like that. But I don't know. There, there, you get to feel like there had to have been some sort of better way that they could have handled it. Like, like maybe you know, give them a year. You know, don't cancel it like two weeks before it starts or whatever. Right. You know, you've got to give them a warning. And and honestly, it kind of reminds me of like when Telltale shut down. I know that's a little bit different. You know, but they're you know when these companies are expanding, expanding, and they're hiring people, hiring people, people move, and then they shut down you know, a week later, oh, sorry, we ran out of money. Uh, and, you know, there, it, it does seem like there's an unethical, mm-hmm. you know, aspect to that. You know, it's yeah. crazy. Also- uh, 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 uh. <laughs> you, you. you know, it's You're crazy. I remembered this from when we were at BlizzCon, Eduardo, is they did like, so we didn't really talk about this when we did our BlizzCon episode because it wasn't really that important, but they had a little poll that they did at the end of the BlizzCon event where people texted in and they voted what what announcement from BlizzCon they were the most excited about. And the two things, one of them will not surprise you, that people voted the least amount for were Diablo Immortal. And that was actually the second lowest thing. The lowest thing was the new hero that they introduced to Heroes of the Storm, Orphea. And that kind of blew my mind. I don't know how you felt about that, Eduardo, but that kind of blew my mind because I thought she looked really cool. Yep. Maybe it's just a giant combination of all of these things. They're stock tanks because people are stupid about Diablo Immortal. They're putting more focus into Overwatch esports, and maybe people weren't as excited about the way they were trying, like the direction they were trying to go with heroes. Maybe they wanted a better reaction. Maybe behind all of the scenes here, that was one of their, like, I don't know, litmus tests with how much people want the game to change or stay the same. Like, hey, we're going to try to take this in a different direction. Who's on board? And almost nobody hopped on the bandwagon. So maybe they were like, oh, okay, well, this is how we want to take the game. But if you guys don't want that, have it the way that you've wanted it. Right. In maintenance mode. (laughs) And don't operate that without... You know. No, Mm-mm, not with guests. <laughs> not with guests. Nope, nope, nope. Um, you know, I think That's it's weird. I, I want to use a, a phrase, and bandwagon is the better phrase to the phrase that I was going to use, which involves a circle. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Don't be a jerk about this. Do you say, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Um, and it's this thing that's sort of been happening. I mean, part of it has to do with things like Reddit and 4chan where these communities get together and they get riled up about something and it's less about the thing and more about being part of this community that gets riled up about things. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you can take a company like Blizzard and they can make maybe, you know, a small mistake like announcing Diablo Immortal as their big announcement at BlizzCon, which I I would agree is, you know, probably not the best place to announce it, but is not, you know, this like 
thing that makes this company crash down into the earth. Um, but on the reverse of that, I would also say um, that it also doesn't... This thing that we're doing as a video game community, we need to stop. Like, we need to stop doing this thing where we attack developers and we attack anybody who's trying to create these these products. Like, I understand there is a line, you know, the EA line, right? The Battlefront 2 line. There is a line there, and there it's very clear when they cross it. But these other things, like creating a mobile game that could make revenue, that could possibly pay for your Heroes of the Storm competitive league... You know, like, maybe these are things that should be probably taken into account before you freak out and a company has to end up shutting down again. Because part of me almost thinks that the backlash that came from Diablo Immortal is the reason that Heroes is shutting down. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, though, right? You guys can attest to this. Like, as a consumer of a product that you care a lot about, like, obviously you want things to go a certain way. So to a point... Like, we're not trying to say accept whatever video game companies do and don't bitch about it and just you just take it. Like, you can still see something happen with your game and feel not okay about it, but the degree that it has gotten to now is, like, somebody makes a hint about an announcement and the whole internet blows up over all the assumptions that they've already made before mm-hmm. anything even happens. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's a waste of everyone's time. It's a waste of your time as the person complaining because you don't actually know what it's going to be like. And at the end of the day, you don't have to play it, you know, it's- and it wastes developers time because now they think, Oh, the people that are going to buy our product already hate what we told them. Should we put more effort into this? Should we put less effort into this? How do we proceed? You know? Well, and it's themed theme to this episode, Piranha Plant. Everyone yes. lost their mind over Piranha Plant. Mm-hmm. And, my, and Zach, or Peaches, you and I have talked about this. It's, we, who's gonna, who did Piranha Plant keep out of the game? If, if they're not already in the game, it's because they're never going to be in the game. Piranha Plant didn't affect it. But yeah. and Nintendo and Eduardo has made this argument. Basically, doesn't care that you hate Piranha Plant. They yeah. literally do not care. That they're <laughs> going to make the game they want, and that has problems. Nintendo's work with third-party companies and such, I think, have hurt their consoles. And so I think the fact that they don't care, you know, they're too far on the other end of the ledger. But I think part of what makes the game we're going to talk about today so good is because they don't care. Because they march to the beat of their own drum, and they're going to make the game that they think they want to make. They're going to make the game that instead of crowdsourcing and focus grouping the game, they're going to allow geniuses and artisans to make the game. And, you know, the right answer is somewhere in the middle of that. But I think too much of especially Western developers are, oh, the consumers don't like it. Back up, back up. Full reverse, the consumers don't like the thing. When maybe what you were making was actually inspired and intelligent because really consumers don't always know what they want. A lot of times people are wrong about the thing that's going to make them happy. Absolutely. yeah, there's too exactly what you said. Too much reaction to that. Like I follow a lot of like comic book creators, like on Twitter and stuff, and they're all, a lot of them are always talking about how you write the story that the fans don't know they want to hear. Uh, and comic books—that's a whole other community that I mean, they can really overreact when they get a hint about a story or like, oh, I don't like this thing that happened in this issue. It's like, well, you know how comic books work. The it's a story that's told over the course of a year or two, usually, over several issues. You don't know how it's going to end, so just sit back and enjoy the journey. Chances are 
you know, you know, the writer probably has an idea of what they're doing. Uh, you know, and I think it's the same with a lot of video game companies as well, where it's like, okay, like, like you said, like Nintendo, not really caring what people think they go out and they make the game they want to make. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, look at the ways that they've twisted the Mario franchise and the Zelda franchise. Everyone says, oh, they always make the same games. Well, no, they don't really. I mean, Mario Galaxy is not like Mario Odyssey. Is not like Mario. Mm -hmm. Is not like Sunshine. If they made the same game, there would be more Super Mario Worlds, and there aren't. Yeah, right. I mean, I play a lot of different iterations of Super Mario World. Just saying. (laughs) Made by not Nintendo, though. I think there could be a um, a three-point Venn diagram with like video game fans, comic book fans, and Star Wars fans, and in the middle, it's just crazy overreactions. And people with I want to talk to your manager haircuts. A comic about a video game about Rose from The Last Jedi. Oh, oh even with I'm out. With microtransactions. <laughs> yes, yeah. You have to you have to hope that uh, you buy the box that actually has the last page of the story. Man, I wanna be the change that I wanna see in the world, but I cannot get behind that Venn diagram situation <laughs> that you just threw in there. Uh, <laughs> that's tough, man. But let's stop talking about things that make us sad and angry, and let's talk about things that make us so happy, because this episode is now going to be... Oh, you know what? We actually have a question. We've got a question, and we're going to answer this question. Actual Griffin in the chat has a question. Bring your question on, man. Let's hear it. Let's hear what you got. Was am I allowed to ask a question the question? Um, That's my first question. That's a good question. question. Because the answer to that is yes. Once Robert threw up the dinner table so we didn't have to eat cream corn anymore. <laughs> what is the most heroic thing you have ever done for your family? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Can you read that again? Because I'm not sure if everyone heard that. We didn't on. like being forced to eat green beans, so I made myself throw up and we never had to eat green beans again. Or cream corn, yes. Cream corn is what your brother said. Now you're twisting the the story. No, hold on. Cream corn was the first one. I realized it worked, so I did it with green beans, too. Oh, okay. Uh, So you're a true hero because you're like, oh, this worked. I'm keeping it up. I can't match that. Um, I'm glad we uh, we diverted for that. (laughs) Yeah, that was totally worth it. That's amazing. Um, (laughs) To be honest, well played. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. We have all been playing it. We have all been playing it like a lot so um, we can start by going a little bit a little bit of the history of super smash brothers so super smash brothers the original released on the nintendo 64 in 1999 now i don't know where you guys were in 1999 i was eight years old i had a nintendo 64 i played um i played games like rampage and donkey kong 64 and a bunch of other random games that i probably shouldn't have been playing like a cruising usa was a big one of mine um I don't know where you guys were in 64, but uh, Smash Bros. came out, and it was a fighting game. And I know that's going to be blasphemous for some Smash players to hear and some not. Honestly, you mm-hmm. get it on both sides. Some people don't like to call it, like hear it called a Smash game or a fighting game from Smash community and from like fighting games alike. It's a fighting game. Um, mm-hmm. But 
it's it, it took the objectives of fighting games and sort of turned it on its head. Rather than trying to, you know, bring whittle your opponent down to zero life, you were trying to build up a percentage and then knock them off of the stage. Um, a formula that has tried to be replicated but without success by any other game truly than Super Smash Brothers. Um, Remember that you guys, turtle version of it? They were just throwing that out there. I never played, it, but there was a Ninja Turtle game that was pretty much Smash Brothers. No way. Yeah, I never, I never played it. So but... ideally, that sounds good. Yeah, Do you guys remember playing the original Smash Brothers when you were younger? Yes, absolutely. I was in. Oh, who wants to go first? No, you. Your first. You were talking, so go for okay. it. Yeah. Um, I was in fifth grade when it came out. I I just double checked, and uh, uh, my brother and I we we got it. And I just remember having so much fun. He and I, and we had a lot of kids in our neighborhood who were our ages. Uh, he's five years younger than me. So we had a lot of kids within that age range and we would always play, uh, you know, we'd all go over to each other's houses and play the games. Um, I remember one time we brought my game over to the next door neighbors. They unlocked all the characters and I got so mad because I wanted to unlock the characters. So I erased the game and started over again. Peaches, I remember you actually saying that about how you used to just unlock the characters over and over again when you played. That was uh, the that was the goal for me in Melee yeah. was to unlock them all and then start over. Yeah, um, but yeah, so we played the original a lot, and uh, what one of the things I think that was most fun about it, uh, first of all, it introduced me to a lot of games I had never heard of or that I was only like vaguely familiar with. Um, I got into Metroid because of it. I was like, oh, you know, Metroid. That seems like a I only knew Metroid from uh, Captain N, the Game Master, if you remember that cartoon, um, because Mother Brain was the villain on that show. Voiced by Levi Stubbs of the Four Tops, was also the voice of Audrey 2 in the Little Shop of Horrors movie. Um, but that's a whole other story. Um, and I'm going to talk about Captain N again later. Um, Please. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, and I never heard of Earthbound. I never heard of F-Zero. Um I had played, of course, Star Fox and, and Mario and Donkey Kong and Yoshi and Pokemon. Uh, Pikachu was the only character I played as. Uh, my brother always played as Kirby. Um, but we just had so much fun, like playing with all the different rules, item switch and everything. My favorite thing to do, uh, this is, uh, I hope this doesn't embarrass me too much. Uh, we used to play this version of the game where we would turn off stock, turn off the time. Uh, you could just do an infinite battle. Um, went to Saffron City and turned on only Pokeballs and turned them all the way up. And what we would do is we'd put our own little version of Pokemon Snap. We would just throw the Pokeballs and try to pause on the Pokemon. And That's kind of fun. That's we fantastic. Would, we would narrate it. Um, like, I would play as Pikachu and he would play as his Donkey Kong. And the Pikachu that I'm throwing out here again that I was in fifth grade. He was five years old. Uh, we were children. Um, um, the I, I spoke as the Pikachu with an English accent, called him the Professor, and he'd be like, "Oh, the rare and beautiful Mew just flew by." And <laughs> all that would happen would be like, it was like a cartoon because it's like you've got the Professor, and then all these terrible things are happening in Donkey Kong. <laughs> um, it was so much fun. We had a blast with that. Princess oh my Peach God, is oh, I do that. So yeah, so it, so that was like my that's my biggest memory. So actually, jumping in a little bit, when we got Ultimate, we. Uh, he and I had both pre-ordered it, um, pre-loaded onto the Switch. And when we got on, the first thing we did was we got online and we played a match on Saffron City. Um, he played as Kirby and I played as Pikachu. 
We set it to like six stock, which is what we always did when we went because he he was six years old. So we did six stock because uh, that's what you do when you're Clearly. kids. So we did a six stock match we down the years. on Saffron City um, online. That was the first thing we did in Ultimate, and it was so much fun. Anyway, I'm done. Absolutely. I um I remember when Smash Brothers came out. So I was <clears throat> a freshman in high school, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember I thought fighting games were dumb. I had bought Mortal Kombat and Killer Instinct, um, and I think Street Fighter 2 for the Super Nintendo. And I just didn't like them. I still don't like games like that. Plus, my mom was all, don't play violent games. And so, <laughs> like, she was worried that Episode 1 Pod Racer was too violent because you could crash. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did so, she drive you places? <laughs> He's going to throw his wrench at you. <laughs> So, oh, he's a particularly nasty dog. You got to watch out. So oh I gosh. vividly remember going on to the early, early internet version of Nintendo.com. This was about when Ocarina of Time came out, and I was looking for Ocarina of Time stuff. And they had the announcement of Smash Brothers. And I thought, this just sounds dumb. And, like, putting characters together sounded cool, but Smash Brothers sounded dumb to me. And even the ad, the, the stupid furry ad with uh, imagine me and you with them fighting like that didn't sell me on the concept and so I really actually had no interest in it until it had been out for probably a year or two probably two years when my neighbor brought it over and we played it and at first I'm like no I don't want to play that and eventually I went and I picked up a controller and like okay this is fun and it was fun enough that I stole his cartridge and oh my god just (laughs) just played the hell out of it but my real reaction, so as we go through this podcast, that's what's important. My real reaction was not, like, it's a good game. And a big part to me about Smash Brothers was element was element, uh, was obvious at first, which is exactly what Chris said. There's, there's no wrong way to play. 1v1 is not wrong. Four-player free-for-all is not wrong. Saffron City Pokemon Snap is not wrong. There's so many ways to play the game, but it's done so elegantly where it's, it's an attack button and a special button and directional input, the end. Like, that, that's how you attack. And it was just done so intelligently. But my reaction was this was just such an unpolished product, which looking back, I now understand why that is, you know, listening to Sakurai and uh, Iwata. Of, it was a great, almost like a beta for what Smash Brothers could be. And my brain immediately went to what this game could become, which is what the next game ended up mm-hmm. satisfying that. And honestly, I think this one has as well of what Smash Brothers can be with more polish and with more than 12 characters and with stages that make more sense and that sort of stuff. But it was, even in that original, what I would call rough draft of Smash Brothers, it was really evident that there was an incredible idea in there and I couldn't stop playing. I just want to say when you said that it was the controls so elegant, it was just buttons and directions. I played mm-hmm. Pikachu. I thought the only direction was down and the only button was B. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you so yeah. much. I can't you're Kirby, how much I hate you. If you're Kirby, it's the same two buttons, plus you get to yep. jump. Yes. Yeah, you jump a lot. Yeah. I don't have, like, as crazy of a story as you guys. I didn't have an N64, but I had a neighbor across the street that had an N64, and so I invited myself over to his house a lot like to the point where his mom was like you need to stop coming over to this house you can't just invite yourself in here and i was like but i want to hang out with travis and she'd be like you want to play 
Nintendo 64. And I was like, you don't know me. <laughs> Reaction didn't actually go like that, like vocally, but in my head it did. Um, so like you were saying, I all I remember really from the original game is people spamming with whatever character in particular they were interested in, just spamming the same move over and over. And I can think mm -hmm. of four right off the top of my head that like, if you played against one of these people, they just did the same damn move over and over. You've got people using the rock over and over as Kirby. Mm -hmm. You've Wayne got Johnson. Thunder with Pikachu. You've got people using Link just so they can use his down air over and over and over and over. And then you've got people spamming the hey ha with Yoshi over and over, <laughs> hey ha over and over. And I can't think of anybody else that was super spammy from the original. Like everyone else, it seemed like they played normally. I don't know. Maybe if you were Jigglypuff, you'd try to rest over and over and miss. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's my experience with the original game. Lots of me trying to break into my neighbor's house. I like that all of our stories have involved neighbors, by the way. Yeah. I think that's one of the great things about Smash Brothers. It's so much fun to play with friends. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but that's all yeah Samus with her charge attack just sitting in yeah. there. Especially, I mean, I mean people that still do that changed. now. If you if you are playing more than like four four people or more, and you can go in the corner and be unnoticed, you just spam that damn thing the whole match mm -hmm. until people yeah, notice you, that way. and then you run away until they stop noticing you, and then you shoot them again. No, I think you're right. Um, I played um, the first Smash Brothers. I would go to my my buddy's house. He was my best friend, and I was young mm -hmm. when I was very young. His name was Larry Griffin. I would go to Larry Griffin's house, and Solid we would play um, <laughs> Super Smash Brothers. We'd play all these games. We'd play Mario Kart, play Smash. We would play because he had um, Smash and all these games, and I didn't. So I would always just go to his house and we'd play. And it was a lot like um, what Peaches just said. I would go to his house and be like, "Let's play," you know smash or you know any of these games we could be doing anything but why not why not just play smash and everything um but i didn't get too in, into it as much as you guys did i mean i played it you know with buddies but you know i have fond memories of it being like a fun party game but then we fast forward a couple years and um 2001 actually super smash brothers melee comes out and i think this is the game that really sort of changes the landscape of of what what smash will become for the rest you know of forever um smash i think when when robbie was talking about this sort of polished product i think a lot of people out there will argue that melee is the best iteration of smash that will ever be and i'm sure a lot of people are very you know very gung-ho about that i know there's a very large sect of the community that thinks nothing will ever beat melee and the subsequent games are inferior and 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 whatnot but um it can't be argued melee's impact on sort of what 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 that what it did for the genre of games that that it was and sort of how it how it expanded in every possible way um what were your guys' experience with melee falco fox no items final destination <laughs> i hate you <laughs> i i've never seen such a leap between the game and its sequel yeah i mean you Absolutely. went from 12 characters, 8 base characters, 4 secret characters, to what is it, like 20-some-odd characters in that game, I think. I think it's 27 in there? Yeah, and with obscure stuff like Ice Climbers, ridiculous out-of-left-field stuff like Mr. Game & Watch, um, fully orchestrated Nintendo music, mm -hmm. which was incredible. So Fountain many Dreams. Fountain, Fountain of Dreams, oh my gosh, amazing. Um, you know, the stages went... Like took the next level when you get to stuff like Brinstar Depths, 
where it's like, oh, we're just going to flip this stage around for a while. We're going to put one of the bosses in the background and have them, have them flipping it. Uh, you know, it's just they added so many new features, like Home Run Contest. I don't remember if that was in the N64 one or not. Um, but, yeah, they added all these extra game modes. They added an adventure mode, the classic What mode. the hell is Fire Emblem? Yeah, right. <laughs> now yeah. we have a lot of Fire Emblem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it just, just, like, that, it just blew my mind. And to this day, probably my most played GameCube game. I mean, it was the first game. That and Luigi's Mansion, the first games I got, got them both for Christmas. Um, Luigi's Mansion, a man after yeah. my own heart. Yeah, and, um, and yeah, they're just, like, up until Brawl came out, I was playing Melee. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, in all honesty, Smash Bros. Melee is probably the video game I have spent the most time on, other than, like, maybe The Sims 2, which is different because it's more like an addiction. Um, <laughs> Melee is probably the video game I've spent the most time playing in my life just because it was always there and friends always wanted to play it and two generations later it was still a good game to play and you're right and part of its impact was just like i wanted a more polished smash bros what they gave me is oh my god look at all this content i vividly remember i didn't get hyped for that game i was happy it was being made i saw some stuff about it in like in in you know game pro and stuff Mm -hmm. but i knew i was gonna buy it but it wasn't like i was not feeding myself with the hype i was just well, okay when this game comes out of buy it and i did on opening day and it was i remember our original reaction it was the same group of friends that friends that had been playing brawl uh, the original been playing in 64 the dragon's milk's kicking in um the same group <laughs> of friends that have been playing in 64 i just remember the very first match it was on venom on that venom uh, uh great fox stage and yeah. i just remember my friend going oh my god it's so fast everything is so fast (laughs) everyone's freaking out about the speed but i remember the game that came out of the cartridge or came out of the the box for me was good enough like that look at all these characters look at all these stages look at listen to the soundtrack this game's good enough and i just remember that feeling of we just kept playing and then a challenger approaches, a challenger approaches. I remember I stepped out of the room and didn't play a couple, and my brother goes, oh, we got Mewtwo. I'm like, no, shut up. Mewtwo's <laughs> not in this. That's absurd. That's and then I that look on the character selection, and there's Mewtwo. And I I will, one of the key moments, and Melee is one of the most important games that's ever been, like, like Ocarina of Time, the original Super Mario Brothers, like, those are the games that impacted me, and Melee is one of them. Mm-hmm. And I will forever remember a challenger approaching, and I go, Wait, that's Ganondorf. And then I'm there on Temple trying to unlock Ganondorf. I'm going, oh my god, they put Ganondorf in this game! <laughs> and then just the series of unlocking characters, and it just felt like it, like, well, that has to be the last character. And then, be, then there's another one. It just kept on coming. And it just felt like that game just kept throwing stuff at me I didn't expect. Because I went in, and this is something I need to learn and do more with games now. And I did this with Breath of the Wild, and I'm happy. I went in blind. I went in knowing, I want this game. Let's see what it has to show for me that I'm not expecting. And it had so much I was not expecting. All-star mode and the, the, the adventure mode and, you know, side Bs being added. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, oh, yeah. but, like, side B was not a thing in N64. That's Adding right. a whole special move to each character was a big, a big part. And, like, and oh, like just... Two attacks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and, the de- <laughs> and the deep cuts and having... Uh, at the time, I felt like Majora's Mask was ignored. Like, I think we don't anymore. I think we now understand that, hey, Majora's Mask was an incredible game. At mm-hmm. that point in history, 
it felt like Majora's Mask was a failure because it wasn't Ocarina of Time. And I think we've learned better than that since. But to have a Majora's Mask stage to me was just, wow, they actually, this game, it's incredible. And it feels like people don't realize it's incredible. They built a stage around it. And, and, and just little stuff, like the arrangement of Fountain of Dreams. Like, I, I do think the fighting community is a little bit annoying with how much they call Melee, like, the class of the franchise. But just for what, where it took it from the first game to the second game, I, I just can't, I don't think can be overstated. Melee, mm-hmm. I, without hesitation, say I think is one of the most important video games that's ever been made. Agree 100%. You know, interestingly enough, um, I would argue that a lot of those similar notions that you're feeling, I am feeling with this new iteration, but we're going to get to that here in a sec. But I am feeling a lot of the things that you're talking about, I'm feeling about this Smash Brothers that we're currently playing. Um but moving on, the next game, which I didn't actually play, I don't think I have ever played it, Super Smash Bros. Brawl releases for the Wii in 2008, and it comes out to mixed reception. Some people really, really enjoyed the new um, story mode, Subspace Emissary. I know uh, everyone in this in this um, group right now are big fans of it, and some people really didn't like it for its slower-paced gameplay uh, uh, compared to Melee. Um, seeing as I did not play... Uh, brawl. I need you guys to talk about it a little bit, what it was like, and and whether you do really think that the criticisms of it. Were just- I, I I'll go first on this one just because, uh, no reason. I just wanted to interrupt. Um, I, everybody show off their toys. Come on. I have way too many in this room right now. Not the adult uh, ones. Okay, so. <laughs> So Brawl definitely was like taking a big step back, right? It was like, oh yeah, Robot Devil, hell yes! Um, Come on, Nixon. Brawl was a big step back at first because you had like, it's so weird playing at the speed that Melee was playing at, and and getting used to that speed, and then jumping into Brawl and going, am I am I not holding the control stick? Like, did I not like? Slap the control stick all the way. Why over did my character run? fall? What did I do wrong? Right. Yeah, like, am I not? What do I need to do to run? I feel like I'm not running. Like the whole, the first thirty minutes of brawl gameplay was like, what the hell am I doing wrong? I think my controller is broken. And after I got used to that, I had to totally change the way that I played Smash because when I played melee and everything was really fast, my style was not very hard hitting, but super fast characters. I played Falco, I played Fox, I played characters that would get in your face and get out of your face really quickly. Um, And when the game slowed down, I couldn't do that anymore. Something about it felt wrong and I switched completely opposite to the hard hitting, slow, beefy characters. And that's kind of where I am still now for the most part. but it was definitely weird to get used to. And once I got used to it, like now it's hard to go back to melee. Not that like any of us have melee sitting around or have enough people in one spot at one time to play it. But the point is it's hard to go back. And I'm kind of glad that at this point they've kept things roughly the same speed, but brawl was definitely hard to get used to at first. And I, I personally loved subspace emissary. I liked that they made this, story that kind of was a story but wasn't really a story but like hey um captain falcon and alomar are gonna hang out together for a little while also pokemon trainer and lucas are gonna hang out together for a little while and samus and pikachu why not 
What's that? I said it was Infinity War before Infinity War. Exactly. It was. They <laughs> were like, assembling oh, and Star Lord bantering about eighties movies. Oh, here's <laughs> Falcon and Captain Olimar. <laughs> right. So that's it. Um. So, well, I'll start by walking back to Melee on my experience for all because I had played Melee. I remember when I became a, um, it was really when I started college. I had been playing for Melee for three years, two years. Um, no, it had been three years because it was actually, I remember it was my sophomore year of college. But anyway, the point is that I already put literally thousands of hours in Melee, but it's just my friends group. And I thought I was a badass. I thought I'm an expert on this game because of how much time I put in this game. And then I go to the internet and decide, hey, Game Facts and 4chan, you guys are so excited to get my melee knowledge. And I went and I started to share my melee knowledge with them. And I was just beaten like a rented mule. mule. (laughs) I was completely wrong about things like Link is the best player in the character in the game. And isn't it so great to play on uh, on Hyrule Field or, or on uh, Termina Field or Great Bay? That's what it was. Great Bay, yeah. And I now realize I was wrong, but I didn't know because all I had was my friends group. I didn't understand the larger scene. I didn't understand that there were people that knew better than me how to sweet spot and how to play the game. I didn't know what wave dashing was. I didn't know what I knew what fast falling was, but I didn't know what dash dancing was or. And so for me, that that was part of why Brawl was not a part of why Brawl was not terrible for me was because exactly what Peaches said, that game was slower. It was the competitive mechanics I readily acknowledge were not as good. And I agree that Melee was better mechanically. But it just didn't bother me because Brawl, those mechanics were that important to me. I never became one of those people. But what happened with Brawl is there's never been a video game I've been more hyped for with Brawl. Because I don't know if you guys were one of these people. I'm, I'm pretty sure Chris was. But mm-hmm. when exactly Brawl, in the two or three years, three, four years maybe, it was, like, Brawl, they announced it in 2005. The dojo, I think, started in 2006, if that's where you're going. If you guys were not Smash Dojo people, I'm sorry, because uh-huh. you missed the best time on the internet. Because five nights a week, Sakurai would go on smashdojo.com and he would unveil one thing about the game. And write a blog post about one thing about the game. Maybe it was an assist trophy. Maybe it was a new character. Maybe it was a something about online or music tracks. Item. Yeah, a stage, music tracks, and almost like a religion. Every night, every weekday night, I was on um, the video game blog page on 4chan, and I was also on uh, Game Facts every weekday night, ready for Sakurai's drop and then we would just heavily discuss what he had just announced i remember when he announced pokemon trainer and it was just so it's three characters in one like oh game of the year all years for the rest Uh of time the Uh, one i remember i literally remember the moment that i saw the sonic post mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was huge yes and it was i remember the snake post and like uh, was snake well, in the first trailer remember that yes yeah yeah and so Ooh, right you're right before the snake post i knew snake was in it but yeah and that was fun like that was the best i think the smash community has ever been because we didn't hate each other yet we didn't <laughs> we weren't fighting yet about whether it was free for all or 1v1 we weren't mm-hmm. fighting about the mechanics versus the the um the details and so 
it was just leading up to that game was so hyped and subspace emissary was part of that hype because Mm -hmm. it just it was very clear they were actually putting a real fun deep story mode in smash and there are people that don't like it that much because the platforming is not that great and i don't care and they're stupid because right (laughs) platforming isn't that great but okay that game that subspace emissary is wonderful it's wonderful for the little stuff the little stuff like samus saving pikachu and then pikachu saving samus from ridley and um and ddd ended up being ending up being the good guy and just all Uh these little moments like literally just going on youtube and re-watching the cutscenes and and you guys know my feelings on cutscenes in video games. Mm-hmm. I go to YouTube and rewatch the cutscenes from Subspace Emissary. And that's why we didn't get any more until this game. Yeah, way to go. <laughs> and, yeah. and, oh, that's fair. And the stickers, and just mostly just the weird buddy pairing. Like they're just picking random Nintendo characters and putting them together. Okay, this stage is going to be Pit and Mario. Have fun. And it was just, it was something I was able to play Smash alone without having to worry about the fact that the first attempt at online was a failure, uh-huh. complete and total failure. I spent oh, probably okay. less than an hour online in Brawl, and okay. I don't regret that. But I didn't have to just play the computer characters. I, Subspace Emissary was so wonderful. And what makes me like Brawl, and no one is wrong about how the mechanics in Brawl were a mistake. I completely agree with the pro community and the competitive community on the tripping and the slower pace of play and the floatiness. Like, they're not wrong. I completely agree. It's just I don't care. The tripping is weird. that game is, yes. It, it, no, it's bad. It's bad. But it doesn't make me hate the game because it's such a labor of love. It's like this interactive museum of Nintendo. All this music and all these stages and all these characters and this single-player mode and all this stuff just is I love Nintendo. Not I love Smash Brothers necessarily. And maybe it should have been both. It should have been both. But it was, I love Nintendo, the game. And that made me so incredibly happy. And I remember the first night of playing it, I bought it at midnight. Twelve people or so came over to my house. We set up a flat screen television. And we just played alternating until like five in the morning. Playing Smash Brothers. And... Yes, the mechanics are terrible, but Brawl still will always, always be important to me because of how great an experience it was leading up to it, when it came out, Subspace Emissary, and just Melee had great music, but Brawl was the one that introduced, look, here is a best hits of Nintendo on all the stages. Have fun listening to everything. And it was amazing. One of the greatest soundtracks, I mean... Every Smash mm-hmm. Brothers since has topped it because they know they had to top it, but I remember right. thinking there will never be a better soundtrack than the Super mm-hmm. Smash Brothers Brawl soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> all those remakes. And the way and that was what started the whole thing where Sakurai got all of his video game composer friends and said, Hey, um, here's a list of classic video game songs. Would you do a remix of one for Smash Brothers? Mm-hmm. Um, he got Nobuo Omatsu. A Final Fantasy guy to write a dramatic Latin opera theme for the game. I mean, Dang. that's crazy. And then, and then like the Fire Emblem theme in Latin. Like, I mean, just it's, it's crazy. It's so good. And uh, I was I was in college when it came out. Like I said, I I remember sitting in my dorm room. Like I said, I literally remember logging on, going, "Is today going to be the day that it's Sonic?" And it was. And I was so excited. Not even a huge Sonic the Hedgehog fan, but just to have Sonic and Mario in Smash Brothers together 
was such a such a great thing. And um, uh, this is when I started hoping for Ridley to be a character. And you know, I got my wish. Same. Ten years later, because um, I remember when they released that that Ridley remix. I'm like, that's amazing. Because at this point, I had played Metroid games, and I was like, oh, Ridley's great. He should be a character. And I, I'm one of those guys. I know it's almost a meme now, but I have since Melee. I wanted Ridley, and I've wanted Gino, um, mm-hmm. legitimately. Um, and everyone's like, oh, you just want them because that's what everyone wants. No, I've wanted them forever. Well, T, what you said about um, Smash 64 being the game that interested you to Metroid, that was Melee for me, but and Brawl yeah. didn't. And then Brawl was the first game. So Melee was like the trophies and the stages and everything, Crate in the background, made me want to play Metroid games. Yeah. So by the time Brawl came out, it's like, now I am, I have forced myself to become a Metroid expert in two years' time. Uh-huh. And now I'm excited. And I remember my disappointment when Ridley was announced by Sakurai as a boss. Uh-huh. Because it's like, okay, that's cool. He's in the game, but I wanted to play as Ridley. Mm-hmm. But the two I have always wanted. And so the last few weeks have been great for my life it was i always wanted the moment snake was announced i thought simon belmont simon belmont uh-huh. simon belmont simon yes. belmont and then i wanted ridley so i just really don't have much to complain about anymore it's... yeah no same because i was also as soon as third party characters became a thing i started saying mega man get me mega man because i t- if you remember my uh, mm-hmm. those of you who listened to my last episode, I was listening to my top five games. Mega Man Two was in there. Smash Brothers was my number one. Mm-hmm. I had wanted like as soon as it was like okay, Sonic and Snake, because that opens the door for Mega Man, it would be perfect. And that's right, he is. That's uh, crazy because as soon as I unlocked Ike in uh, Brawl and realized it was the third Fire Emblem character, <laughs> I was like, man, I really want there to be twelve Fire Emblem characters. Can we get to twelve? <laughs> We're not quite at 12 yet, so hopefully with the DLC, we can get to 12. I just but. need more anime characters with swords in my life. Yeah. yeah, just only, and only sword characters from Fire Emblem, too. Don't put anyone else in, just sword characters from Fire Emblem, please. And Peaches, you actually, I believe of all of us, you're the only one that actually plays Fire Emblem. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I like Fire the Emblem. Game, yeah. The game has a balance mechanic of swords are part of a rock, paper, scissors format, right? So yes. there's more to Fire Emblem than swords. Well, here's the, here's the problem. The problem with it is, just to quickly segue about Fire Emblem, is that mm-hmm. almost all of the main characters in the Fire Emblem series have swords. So almost all of your protagonists are sword characters. Very rarely do they not have a sword. But I think that there are characters that are well-known in the Fire Emblem universe that do not use swords, that could easily make it into a game especially now considering that Ridley is a playable character, this giant flying dragon. Like, before, you might not think to put something like a Pegasus Knight from Fire Emblem into Smash, but now that we have a flying character, maybe you could put a Pegasus Knight into Smash. Uh, Particularly, I would love to see if they're going to keep throwing Fire Emblem characters in the game. (laughs) I would love to see Hector from from Fire Emblem 7, um, whose main weapon is a giant axe. And he would basically, the way I kind of see him working, would be kind of like the weight of a Ganondorf or something. Because he'd be a slow, heavy character that dealt a lot of damage, and you know, almost all the Fire Emblem characters are swift and swordy. So, yeah. But um, we got to get up to 12. I, I do want to say about Brawl, that was also the game. It came out when I was halfway through college, and I, I think I mentioned this last time, but... I used to go over to my friend's, my friend Brady's apartment, and we would stay up all night. First playing melee, and then when Brawl came out, we just switched to Brawl, because 
yeah, it was different, but Brawl had more characters. We were going to play that. Uh, you know, uh, Melee didn't have Wolf or Snake or Sonic or uh, or King DDD or, Met- or Meta Knight, you know? So it was like, yeah, we're going to play the new one. Um, and I just, I mean, for all its flaws and looking back, yeah, it has flaws. I, I didn't like, I didn't like tripping then. I don't like it now. I'm glad it's gone. Um, but there was, again, just so much. Final Smash has added a whole other layer to it too. We just, I know it's just fun. And like Robbie said, it's a love letter to Nintendo and video game history and, but Nintendo especially, and as they've added more third party characters as we go on, it is much more to video games in general. But yeah, I, I just had a blast with that game. And again, Subspace Emissary, not to belabor the point, but just seeing all those characters together in an adventure. You know, when you finally get, when you are on the halberd and uh, the characters run by, and then there's a box in the corner, and then Snake pops out. He's like, Can't you mm-hmm. like yes, And then Lucario, over. random uh-huh. Lucario, is checking uh-huh. if Snake is okay. And, and, and that is the game, uh, you know, talked about how Smash introduced us to franchises we never played or considered playing before. That's how I got I ended up getting Metal Gear Solid on the GameCube was because I was like, well, I, I want to play Snake, so I got to play this Metal Gear game. Um, now you'll play Persona Five. Yeah, yes, I mean I, I honestly am, really I want to play Persona Five, and I am going to be getting Persona Five some point soon because I want to know at least Joker's deal before. And you'll play Smash but, Brothers to understand Rathalos when. But listen. Uh, oh, <laughs> Listen, there are only seven Fire Emblem characters right now, <laughs> and if the rest of the DLC packs are not exclusively Fire Emblem, <laughs> you won't make it to 12. And also one of them has to have two. That's what I'm saying, and also one of them has to have two. So, come on, Sakurai. You're personally hurting my feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so next up was Super Smash Bros. Um, everybody... We're actually really, really, really fortunate. We're really, really lucky because with me on the show today, we have the only three people who owned Wii U's on the planet with us. Yeah. All three of them all together in one show. Wow. <laughs> it's four. It's four, right? I did not own one. Oh, my bad. Uh, I was not part of this exclusive five of us. People play Mario Maker and they have to have a Wii U to play Mario Maker, okay? Um, you know, interestingly enough, um, I played it on the Nintendo 3DS, um, which mm-hmm. I think, would, in my opinion, was the preferred way to play it because having Smash portably was something that, it, you know, had had been unthought of but then again i didn't own a wii u so how do i know you know <laughs> it's interesting because if if brawl was this love letter to nintendo about the side that robbie was talking about which is this you know this creative side then in four in my opinion is that their attempt at making a game for the other side of the community i think four was their way of going let's see if we can get back to the to the melee area and in some ways i think they succeeded in some ways i think they kind of didn't succeed and i can i almost feel like we can gloss over super smash bros 4 because it, it feels like this sort of empty spot between brawl and and ultimate that we're in now but let me know what you guys think i agree i mean yeah i agree i I bought four. I played a lot of four. Four was a fun time in my life. But yeah, like as I think about the history of Smash Brothers, four was a little bit more brawl with better mechanics. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just it was not 
the original was, wow, look at this game. And Melee was, wow, look at what they did with this game. And then Brawl was, wow, look at all this Nintendo. And then 4 was just, okay, here's more. And it's not necessarily a criticism. It just means it will never have the impact on me that the other three did. Right. Um, if I can get tender and emotional, what's important to me about 4 is actually with two of the people in this group. Um, 4 came out right at a period of time when Peaches and I were, for work reasons, basically being forced to be in the same place at the same time mm-hmm. for eight hours a day, every day for like seriously, like two months. And so I got to know peaches very well over this period of time while four was coming out. And when four came out, we played it a lot and we talked about it leading up to times. I, I will still remember walking in the Mouseketeer to meet him one morning before we were starting our day of ah, some training for something and him telling me, Hey, look, man, I watch, just watched this video of all the final smashes from Smash 4. Watch them with me again. That's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> I, ate a terrible, I ate a terrible egg and sausage biscuit, and I watched mm-hmm. these final smashes from <laughs> Smash 4. And, you know, I, I already knew that I was good friends with Chris. And, but I remember the day he, he and I opened, and the 3DS version had come out the day before, and he yes. brought it in. And I didn't think I wanted it. And he told me I was wrong and showed me I was wrong. And so then I realized, okay, I want this game. And then I started bonding with Chris over Smash 4. And so two of the people in this group, the reason they're two of my best friends in the world, part of that is Smash 4. And probably, you know, I always knew I liked them anyway, but Smash 4 made a big impact on me in terms of relationships. And I remember, you know, the two of us and other Chris playing them, playing these games online a lot. And so Smash 4, to me, burned bright. I'd moved on from it pretty quickly. But in that moment that we all had Smash 4, they were bringing our three guests to work and playing mm-hmm. in the break area, in the cafeteria, yeah. playing Smash 4, talking Smash 4, you know, before everyone realized how to counter Little Mac and I was able to get 30 <laughs> KOs in a three-minute match. <laughs> Man, that's hard to think about. Like, now he's unplayable. And it's not that he's changed. <laughs> it's that people now know how to deal with him. But for, yeah. like, a few weeks... I could just destroy the world with Little Mac, and that felt great. I have to um, echo what you said here about mm-hmm. the the main draw for me about Smash 4 was just the nostalgia that came with it and, like, the memories I associate with it because, obviously, it was something that, like, like you said, we all bonded over by playing it together when it came out. But also, for me personally, it, it came into my life at the same time-ish as Princess Peaches came into it's my still- life. And our first like pseudo date, but not really a date situation was when the bunch of us, like the big group of us from work went to Four Rivers right after it had come out. And I already had a 3DS and I got the game and I was like, part of me trying to get her to go to Four Rivers was A, they have fried pickles and she fell on the floor of the dock at the Jungle Cruise crying because she was so happy mm-hmm. about fried pickles. And then also, and also I have Smash for for 3ds so please come hang out with me so um so for me it's it's more like i think about that game and i think about everything that happened outside of it and not necessarily within the game because after all this stuff that we did i kind of like fell off for me i was like Mm -hmm. there's nothing about this game bringing me back to it it started a lot friendship wise but like i'm not compelled to go back and i have to like Mm -hmm. You guys probably saw me, if you're watching this on the stream, shake my head violently when Eduardo said that it was cool that it was on the 3DS and it was probably the better way to play it. I have to, like, 
very, very specifically disagree with that because it felt like you were going to break your 3DS console every time you were trying to do a smash attack or anything forceful yep. with the control stick. I That's did fair. break my 3DS. The thumb pad came off. Ugh, no, and worst nightmare. I finally got a new, it played, I was playing a game online with my friend and I won and I will never let him forget that I beat him in that game. <laughs> um, but then I was like, I can't play unless I like wear a bandage on my thumb or or something because it starts to hurt after a while when you're just playing yep. on that little nub. And I did eventually get a new 3DS. Um, I guess it was yeah, it was last year before I went down to Florida to visit. Uh, Samus Returns had just come out, and I was like, man, you know, I, I have, I'm going to get a new 3DS. Uh, so I did, um, and I still play it very gingerly when I uh, when I would play Smash Brothers on. The th on my new 3ds because i remember how it felt when it broke yeah uh, like i felt extra like i felt like i was always holding back uh-huh in the 3ds because i didn't want to break anything like i was like so delicate when the mechanics of the game literally are based on how hard are you pushing in this direction how quickly are you doing it it's <laughs> yeah. scary yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. you're not wrong for me for my, my smash 4 experience i think it's a little different than yours because i played it up through a couple weeks ago, I played fairly regularly. I would hop online. Um, that explains a lot. Much better, uh, yeah. Uh, it had a much better online, first of all. Um, it's still, there are some things that weren't so great with it, but um, it was a way for me to stay in touch. Like uh, when I was living in Orlando, um, my brother was living in Gainesville. Um, my, uh, my friend Brady was living in Gainesville as well. I could still hop online and play with them. Uh, you know, from far away, and that—that that was how I stayed in touch with, uh, with you know, some of those. I would play games with them, and we'd play for a couple hours and talk on the phone and uh, and play Smash Brothers, and it was great. And uh, weirdly enough, with um, when they split it into four fun and four glory for when you're playing with random people online, uh, that was how I got into quote unquote competitive Smash because uh, I've always been an items guy, and I love items, and I, I think it's great. But it taught me that. You know, competitive is fun as well, and probably made me technically better because if I just want to hop on and play for a little bit, I would hop on for glory and and play. And sometimes I do well, and sometimes I would not. And it was but uh, but I am probably technically better because of that. Uh, and then when, of course, when I moved up north, you know, I, I continued playing with these people. I remember right after Smash came out, um, like you said, the memories of three of when the 3DS game came out. Um, like my biggest memories of playing that game are playing in the cafeteria with you guys. Uh, and then my friend Brady, he got married two days, I think after the 3DS game came out, I was in his wedding. Um, the bachelor party was the night before the wedding. And we all played Smash Brothers. We're all sitting around 3DS is playing Smash Brothers together. You should uh, make that your bachelor party. It literally is. Uh, <laughs> put, put it in a Fort Wilderness cabin and it's going to be a lot of ultimate. Um, so yeah. Truth. Um, that is a true story. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I played it a lot longer, I think, than you guys, you said. But uh, again, the big thing for me is I remember uh, when they announced it, like, it, like, like Robbie said, the, the biggest hype cycle for me was Brawl, checking the dojo every day. But I still remember watching E3, watching the live, live stream of E3, tweeting before it happened, all Nintendo needs to do is announce Ridley and Mega Man, and I'll be happy. <laughs> and they announced Mega Man. I didn't expect either of them to get announced. So the fact that Mega Man got announced, like when they showed that trailer, I th I'm pretty sure I jumped off the couch and like punched the air. I was so excited. Um, 
Yes, Peaches. I think he's free streaming. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought he was raising um, his hand because he wanted to say something. No. Nah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and the online was an improvement in it. Oh, yeah. I was still disappointed because Mario Kart 8 had come out. And to me, for the most part, Mario Kart 8 is exactly what Smash Online should be. It just simply matches you. With, it has a simple ranking system and then matches you with people who match your ranking system as it goes on. Mm-hmm. The stage is chosen by each person puts in their choice and then it just randomly picks one of the choices. It's, just, mm-hmm. it's simple. And that's just all Smash needs to be. And Smash 4 was not that. It yeah. was, however, still the first time that Smash was like they tried with Brawl and they failed. And 4 was the first time that it was actually kind of playable. And it was mostly if only if you want to do 4 Glory because the the lag, oh, lag on, on for fun was yeah. unpleasant. That's, That's why I played with, for Glory. Playing with friends was still pretty fun. Like playing mm-hmm. with, you know, I remember there were days that I got you online, I got Peaches online, I got other Chris online. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was fun. Um, but the single player was just such a sad time a having come from subspace emissary uh-huh. to just this barely really above classic mode right right oh. it, you had pl- you had this story mode with this music and these buddy parries and these these cutscenes and then turn it into eh, whatever just play through these fights it was sad now I will defend Smash Run on the 3DS. I don't know if you guys ever played that mode. I enjoyed it. It was that. fine. It's not Subspace it, Emissary. Yeah, it was it like Subspace Light. Um, yeah, very light, but it was cool killing Redads with Samus. But uh huh, yeah. But it wasn't World of Light, am I right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it so, was not. Moving forward, we reach yes. 2018, and. The announcement, which Chris uh, thankfully corrected me on, which happened in the early March Nintendo Direct, uh, was March, correct? March eighth. Yeah. March eighth. Oh, look, he's got it. It was March my mom's 8th. birthday. I was at home, and I sort of excused myself to watch it. <laughs> I remember this Nintendo Direct because they announced a Splatoon DLC, and mm-hmm. then right afterwards, they were like, "We've got one more thing for you." And the first thing you saw was Splatoon, and people were like, "Oh, it's just more Splatoon." And then it gets dark, and then she turns her head, and then you can see the fire in her eyes, and then it zooms in right on the logo of Smash. And I don't know about you, but I have gone down a rabbit hole of people reacting to this announcement, and people freak out. Just Uh freak out, and it is the best thing in the world. And they scream at Daddy well Sakurai, uh-huh. and they, you know, they yell out all these expletives, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, I ran around the room. I was like, "Yes!" I was so excited. And then Here's you the told thing, me guys. to go watch the Nintendo Direct. Yes, yes, that's I true. That I watched it because of you. Uh huh. So and I did. I think I'm pretty sure I didn't tell you what happened because I wanted you to get Correct. that experience. We have gone on for an hour and a half about everything except for Smash Ultimate. Okay. I'm assuming we could probably go for another hour and a half about Smash Ultimate, but our time this evening is not that long. So I'm making oh. the executive decision right now. We're going to cut the episode in half. Two and part we're episode. going to do subsequent episodes on Smash so we can get this full topic out there because the last thing I want to do is 
cut the topic that we're having right now in half. So we're going to cut it now. This will be just a History of Smash episode, and then we're going to do a full Smash Ultimate only episode coming up to you guys soon, okay? Is that Eduardo or is that M. Night Shyamalan? (laughs) With the twist! With the twist! What a twist! Um... He was dead the whole time. <laughs> I just wrote a five-page paper before y'all even started your topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's how you write five-page papers, Braley. <laughs> um, at the last minute. So we're going to get this exact crew back together. We're going to get all back together, and we're going to talk about Smash Ultimate here in a couple weeks. Uh, we're get, we got to check with schedule, so we'll get you guys more of a confirmation about what day exactly. But we're going to get all back together, and we're going to talk about Smash Ultimate. Um, I know I promised you guys at the beginning of the episode we were going to, but I promise this next episode will be dedicated to Smash Ultimate now that we've gone through the history and all of these different things. I'm sure we could talk about Smash Ultimate for another bajillion Mm -hmm. years. But before we go, um, gentlemen out there, how about you let the folks know where they can go follow you? Let's start with Robert Griffin. Robert, where can the folks follow you? Uh, You can follow me at uh, PhilKid3 on Twitter. Um, uh, P-H-I-L-K-I-D numeral three. Um, I would only suggest you do that if you want very, very caustic takes about sports analytics, because that's mostly what it is. I do talk about video games, but um, if you don't know what wins and proper replacement means and don't want to be made fun of for using it wrong, stay away and I will be none the wiser. (laughs) Oh, well, there's that. Chris, how about you? (laughs) You can follow me at GatorSax2010. I'll spell it out G A T O R S A X, like a saxophone, because I went to the University of Florida and I played the saxophone. Oh, uh, that's not, 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 not Chris. It's all making sense now. Yeah. So GatorSax2010 on Twitter. Um, I, I don't. I have kind of toned back the tweeting. I think a little bit. I don't tweet as much. But when I do tweet, it's usually stupid stuff, it's dumb jokes, puns, uh, commentary all- on weird pop culture news all of his tweets are about birds attacking people all of them um i have tweeted about birds attacking people (laughs) oh my god oh wait oh my gosh i can't that is an actual tweet of mine from years ago about how not all of my tweets are about birds attacking people because because Okay. I got the deep cuts for Gator Sack. That is the deepest of cuts. Okay, uh, story time real quick. Uh, this story, the episode has gone long enough. Um, one time, some birds were attacking people at a certain theme park attraction about spinning flying carpets in the air. I was there. Uh, you were there. And I tweeted about it, and it got retweeted. I didn't even work there at this point. I was in New Jersey. Um, I tweeted about it because I was hearing about it on Facebook. I thought it was funny. And it got retweeted, and I got a bunch of new followers. So then I apologized to them all and said, hey, they're not all going to be about birds attacking <laughs> I can't believe. Wow. What a throwback. What a, fun, what a fun joke for the four of us and no one else. <laughs> Woo! In, inside, 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 inside jokes. In, the inside, 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 inside jokes. Features. Let the folks know what's up. Hey, are we are we smashing after this, boys? Yeah, but then we're gonna play video games. Perfect. That's the Okay, so as usual, you can find me at twitch.tv slash peaches. That's the word peach, followed by the number three and then the letter Z. Also at Twitter and Instagram, D underscore peaches. I actually um, have been working on another thing I want to plug really quickly on the podcast. It's yeah. an Overwatch related thing. 
Um, so not to do with Smash, but if you listen to this and you want to check this out, I'm working on creating what is essentially an interactive dashboard for health packs on Overwatch maps. Um, it kind of sounds weird. I'm going to throw a link in the chat, which does have my real name in it. So here we go, Internet. You probably already knew uh, what that was if you cared at all. But you want to follow that link, you can check it out. Um, maybe Eduardo will even post it in the description of the podcast for the people that aren't in the stream. <laughs> or the Fellowship of the Ring. That's hilarious. And yeah, hopefully we beat Kamek and Invictus on my next stream. So twitch.tv slash peaches. And we will see you over there after Eduardo concludes this for some smashing and also some Super Smash Bros. Yo, shout out to Chris Bro Chill, who said, I can't believe I watched an hour and a half of this only to realize it's basically <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring. And I don't get to hear your thoughts about Ultimate. I'm so sorry. <laughs> who said that? Chris, Chris I'm sorry. The other Chris we're... that you were talking about. M. Night Shyamalan oh, down here. <laughs> <laughs> no, other ending. Chris, I talked about you, other Chris. You're on this podcast. Yeah, and and if Peaches has his way, we will have an axe uh, when they yeah. add uh, Hector. Yep. <laughs> and my axe. Um, I Worst promise we're going to talk about Smash Ultimate on the next episode. <laughs> you can follow me over at twitch.tv slash Eduardo. We'll be streaming some more Cuphead. I am on the last two bosses. Um, hopefully I will beat them and then we're maybe going to learn this, uh, to, uh, to do a little bit of Kaizo. We'll see. We'll see what the future has in store at ABCD Eduardo <laughs> squad up <laughs> ultimate two towers. <laughs> do we need to make it a three part episode? We absolutely do. Um, and the third part better have like 12 endings. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a long one. Listen. And finally Read the books and the Roger. endings make sense, and they cut out the actual ending, so all y'all need to chill. At Squad Up Podcast, uh, wherever podcasts are found, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, at Squad Up Podcast on Twitter, Squad Up Podcast um, at gmail.com if you want to email the show. I need a script or something because I always mess this up. Um, but that's going to do it for us. Write for myself, down, for Robert, for Chris, for Peaches. Good luck. Have fun. And I promise we're going to talk about Smash on the next episode. I promise. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Adios.